0: You're listening to Canada Reimagined. I'm Patrick Esmond White. This year, forest fires have devastated the north of Canada, leaving vast areas of the continent choking in smoke. Cities in Canada and the United States have suffered under a blanket of smog. It's frightening. All we can do is plan and hope for the best for our forests. The maple tree is a Canadian icon. Its leaf graces our flag, but it's much more than that. It's a symbol of the importance of forests to Canada, including our boreal forest, the largest intact forest on Earth, with around 3 million square kilometres, still relatively undisturbed. These forests, it turns out, are critical to the fight against climate change. Forests capture carbon. Sadly, Ancient forests, with the best timber, are already in dire shape. What's left must be protected to the extent that it's still possible it may already be too late. We're also talking about ecosystems, not simply trees. Plants, trees, communicate with each other in ways humans are only starting to grasp. Forest ecosystems are the foundation of natural life for the flora and fauna that make Canada what it is. The First Nations, like many ancient cultures, understood this, but history shows that humans are better at hindsight than foresight. I recall reading a Greek philosopher bemoaning that deforestation had exposed the bony stones of that land, left naked as the green forest cover was cut and burned. The forests of Europe also illustrate the perils of inaction and poor management. England once famous for its massive oak forests, is a case in point. Think of Sherwood Forest, the legendary, dense, ancient forest owned by the crown. Peasants were punished for cutting trees. They could only gather fallen branches for fires. As the British Empire expanded, however, these forests were cut down, the best timber going to the Royal Navy to build ships. Having destroyed their own forests, the British needed lumber from North America. Canada responded. One year in the early 1800s, over 1,200 ships loaded with timber left the port of Quebec City. It was big business. On the return trip, the empty ships needed ballast. Many carried what they called walking ballast. Scottish peasants forced off their land by hunger or by landowners who wanted to graze sheep to supply the wool for the new steam-powered mills, or Irish peasants forced off their land so food for England could be grown even as the great famine devastated Ireland. These newcomers to the colonies were not so much settlers as they were refugees. Soon enough, they were cutting timber in the new land they now called home. Indigenous people could only watch as their fertile land was claimed by newcomers, parceled and deeded to immigrants, all in the name of the crown. Today, Canada still has a quarter of the world's boreal forest, though it is endangered. The pulp and paper and lumber industries employ over 200,000 people and contribute about $24 billion to Canada's GDP. Forestry has been a story of boom and bust, Currently, softwood lumber is in high demand, but that can change with the ups and downs of the economy. The one constant is that Canada's softwood industry is always under threat from unfair trade practices from the United States. Americans produce 70% of their lumber domestically, mostly in tree farms down south. They get the rest from Canada. This amounts to 68% of Canada's exports, Americans protect their tree farms. They see lumber from crown land as unfair competition. The challenge for Canada is to change the rules of the game. The starting point is to respect the value and fragility of all forest systems. When the forests seemed endless, land was cleared for farming or cut for timber with no concern. Nobody thought twice. But then, More modern machinery appeared, and soon entire forests were clear-cut, the soil eroded, and the ecosystems were left in tatters. Today, all these dangers are better understood. The importance of healthy forests has come into focus. Forests left alone keep growing and capturing CO2. We can now measure how climate change is impacting the growing zones for different species of tree. New pests that nature held in check at one point, now survived to devastate forests. Forest fires, part of the natural regeneration process, are more frequent and dangerous in regions hit by drought. In other places, torrential rains hit, causing different damage. First one, then the other. Forest, indigenous or otherwise, must manage the harvest of lumber while reducing the carbon footprint. That will not be easy, especially in a time of climate catastrophe. The good news is that the forestry industry itself is slowly becoming greener and more sustainable. Loggers have grasped the need to preserve streams and lakes and rivers. They too love natural ecosystems, and they too see the need for forest regeneration Is just so slow. Forests need the opportunity to store carbon. If they are to be harvested, it must be carbon-free and sustainable. All machinery should be electric. Airships could lift people and materials in and out of the inaccessible areas. Fortunately, a reinvention of forestry is underway, slowly. If we want true regenerative forestry, the lumber needs to be valued differently. This brings us back to the trade disputes and unfair American practices. Here's the rub. Lumber from our wild Canadian forests is demonstrably higher quality than lumber from southern tree farms. Talk to a carpenter. They know the difference. Wildwood is better wood. This should be our competitive advantage. Imagine what would happen if Canada were to create a lumber board to manage the sale of all wood from our lands. A classic cartel. This board would insist on sustainable forest management as part of all timber leases. This lumber would then be priced higher for export and branded as green, sustainable wildwood. This cooperative approach is similar to how the Canadian Wheat Board once managed grain sales to benefit all farmers. Farm cooperatives saved many family farms during the Great Depression. It's a lesson forgotten over time. Timber Cooperatives could save forests, using strength in numbers to strengthen Canada's negotiating position. At first, Canadian wildwood lumber might sit unsold. The lumber board would buy and stockpile this softwood. Forests would be sustainably harvested, protected for regeneration. American housing prices would rise as the farmed softwood supply shrunk. The American housing industry would demand Washington's help. Canada should sit tight. Unsold wildwood lumber should be held in a strategic reserve but subsidized for domestic use. The softwood stockpile would be an investment, untouched. The value of the softwood would appreciate. At first, we'd hear that this was the shot in a trade war. Don't do what we'd be told. What I'm suggesting is we treat lumber the same way we treat wild-caught fish compared to farmed fish. As a product that's qualitatively different, it's priced differently. We would find supporters in the United States. High-end builders would feature the better wildwood and let the consumer decide. Many consumers will demand sustainable wildwood lumber, even more so if it's harvested by the First Nations. The relationship between forests and the First Nations is important to consider, The indigenous peoples respect the forest, but they also want to see the lumber industry thrive. They need revenue and jobs from forestry for generations to come. Lumber, harvested with First Nation endorsement, would have a unique brand, a cachet, that brings the best prices. One immediate change for indigenous people would be in forest employment. Currently, about 12,000 indigenous people work in forestry, An abysmally low number, considering. A push to increase the number of indigenous jobs would make sense. These jobs should not displace existing workers. Regenerative forestry requires investments to mitigate climate impacts. Trees must be planted. Pest control is needed. Happily, the industry understands the science of forest ecosystems better and better and how to invest in sustainability. More jobs are needed for regenerative forestry, not fewer. Forest regeneration will, of course, help Canada fulfill its commitment to the global deal for nature. Under the terms of this international accord, which Canada signed, 30% of all land should be preserved for natural ecosystems by 2030 and 50% by mid-century. A change that lets forest be managed by the First Nations would, in short, be part of an industrial strategy. It's a cornerstone of a climate action plan. It would place nature at the heart of a new national dream. Canada's forests must be guarded, healed, and harvested in a sustainable manner. Do this, and the forests will help us reverse the climate crisis. You've been listening to Canada Reimagined. My thanks to Tom Plant for the theme music, Tom Evans for my artwork, and to Harbinger Media, a collection of Canadian independent podcasters that I'm honored to join. I'm Patrick Esmond White. Tune in again and spread the word.